So there's, I always say to really focus deep on, you know, one to three big moments in your life. You can give a little bit of backstory, but we don't want to do a timeline of events, right? So it's not getting stuck into, I was born here. I grew up here. I did the, you know, and it's like that, that's the telling part of it. But when we can really say there was this moment in time where, you know, I was sitting at the back of the chapel grieving the loss of my dear friend in that moment when her young boy was standing at the pulpit and he said these words that forever have changed my life. He said, you know, I was with my mom up until her final breath and she was fighting up until her final breath. Welcome to Let's Not Sugarcoat It, a podcast about the real, raw, and unfiltered side of motherhood. We're your hosts, Bella, Alex, and Amy. Let's get into it, ladies. Hey. Okay, ladies. Today we have Chantel Adams in the studio. Chantel has delivered over a thousand speeches all across the globe and hosted an annual event called Shine Live for 150 plus women entrepreneurs. She has been featured in Forbes and on the cover of Business Heroine, uh, Event Head and Mindful Mavericks magazine. As a storytelling and speaking expert, she is all about helping you gain massive clarity from your brand's story. She shows you how to use your story to create a powerful message and platform, which can be shared courageously with the world, turning your message into a movement. Wow. Love I it. love that. You're welcome. You welcome. Welcome, welcome Chantel. Let's get into it, yeah. ladies. Oh, I love it. Yeah. So yeah. I feel like these um, magazines, uh, Mindful Mavericks magazine, that's intriguing to me. Yes. These were all beautiful magazines, you know, run by online entrepreneurs and in different locations. But really, I mean, my business started through that that online space. And so connecting with people all over the world and different platforms that people had that were wanting to feature uh, those up and coming uh, women entrepreneurs in their in their work as well. So it was really a beautiful collaboration. Nice. Awesome. Sounds like one. Uh, so tell us a little bit. I always say those bios are a very small snippet of <laughs> what makes up Chantel. Uh, so tell us a little bit about you and how you got into what you're doing now. Absolutely. So I was actually working in the schools and love working with kids. And I was there as a teacher's assistant. So working with kids with special needs. And I remember having people coming in doing their assembly programs and either they were incredibly entertaining, but the message wasn't there. Or they had a great message, but the kids were so distracted. And I was like, they need to have a little bit more of the entertainment factor. Yeah. And so like all entrepreneurs, I thought I could do this. And so I created this assembly program and approached one of the principals that I had a relationship with. And she said yes. And then from there, I had booked about 20 schools, 175 assemblies every year for five years. So it was this incredible experience where I really walked with a lot of the kids from kindergarten until they moved on up to middle school and was a part of their journey, which mm -hmm. was really, really special. And that's what really kickstarted my speaking career as well. Wow. Oh. So that's cool. So then how did it evolve from being in the school to taking it to what it is now. Absolutely. So I came across some really cool people in the <laughs> online space. And I was thinking, wow, this, this was a whole new world to me. But when I started the assembly programs, I actually created what I didn't realize was an online program. I had all of these things that I bundled together. So it was this 
teacher lesson plan kit, this, uh, I sent home this letter to all the parents. So there was this whole package that I put together and I realized that I could only do so many, you know, 175 mm-hmm. speaking gigs a year was a lot as a, oh, as a wow. younger <laughs> mom and, uh, being in that state. And so I realized that I want to do something to reach more people, to leverage, uh, what I knew I had a skill set in, which was speaking. And so I came into the online space and actually hosted my first, uh, event, which was called Center Stage. And it was a hit. I had, well, I was so excited Mm -hmm. to have my first ever sale. I remember it was, I priced it at $250 and it was an eight week online course called Center Stage to help people to find their voice and to get on stages. And that first $250 sale it changed the game because I was like, this is someone I don't even know Mm -hmm. from across the world that's saying yes to something that I have to offer. Mm -hmm. And it was so exciting. That's so cool. Yeah, that first sale is always coming out of a sales background, really as an entrepreneur is just that first sale gives you that boost and that confidence that yes, even though it's one, Mm -hmm. but it's a start. That's awesome. That's That's awesome. It's that like, Someone likes me. Yeah. <laughs> and when you're like, they it's not my parents or like, it's just yeah. some random stranger. Yeah. There's hope. <laughs> so were you like a, a theater kid? Did you just always like to speak? Or like, how did you get into center stage? <laughs> yes, Makes just, me feel like, you know, yes. I get excited, like theater school. Or well, something. because she loves theater. I do. I yeah. know. Oh, I love it. I love it. Well, we got to talk more. But I, I actually grew up playing the piano. So there was an element of performance for sure. And being able to, if you, like when I go back to music, singing, and piano, I can see that I was able to articulate a message without words, right? With the piano piece of it. And Mm -hmm. yet there was that element of moving an audience and bringing people into my world from the time I was five years old, I was performing. And so it was this piece of realizing and, and loving that interaction where I could feel that what I was doing was having an impact. Mm-hmm. And so that was a part of it. And then I definitely went into, I was Miss Cam Loops. Um, oh. <laughs> I don't oh, usually, I don't you usually share that. Today. Now you just shared it with the world. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I think that's the first one. Oh I've shared. Pageantine. Love it. And it was, it was a very small town and it was this piece of really, it came from that place of wanting to make a difference, but I always giggle about that. But yes, I love it. Well, and something that I don't know if everyone knows about you, but I know you personally. So knowing that you have an amazing voice, Chantel is an unreal singer. We were at an event and I could hear this voice and I thought it was the angels. (laughs) And I look over and it's Chantel singing and I was like, wow. So if your daytime job doesn't work out. There you go. We might make you do a little ensemble. Oh, idea. yeah. <laughs> You're going to get signed by some fancy manager in, from the States. And <laughs> there you go. Wanna, I just remember where it we, started. Yeah. That's right. You'll be the, we always the say, remember the little people. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I love it. I love so it. So you started, uh, so you went right into online space then. You didn't really do a in-person, really. You yes. went right into online. Yes, for sure. And then I built out the the in-person components mm. of it. But yes, I started with the online piece. And I remember how I really got into it was I was 
in this place of I had lost a really dear friend of mine. And I had realized that a lot of my life had been really dictated by fear. And and so as I started to honor her and her life, I wrote down this, my fear list. And I was like, I'm not going to allow fear to stop me ever again. And so I started checking these things off one by one. And one of them was to jump out of an airplane. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was terrified of heights. And so in this in this part of my journey, I thought I need to find a bigger why than my fear. I need to do something bigger or I'm not going to do this. And I really wanted to. And so what I did was I had a group of women. I was in this online space, this online community. And I was like, you know what? We all have stories of courage. Mm-hmm. And so I'm going to jump out of this airplane and I'm going to fall 10,000 feet to raise $10,000 to build a school in Nicaragua. And will you... Anybody, I thought maybe 10 people would say yes, but I was like, would anybody want to share their story of courage in a book? And then anyone who donates to this fundraiser would get this book of these beautiful stories of courage. And I had about 150 people say, I want to be a part of this. I had people showing up to edit the book. I had people showing up to just volunteer their time to create the website, to do the social media. Like it was this beautiful coming together of these women entrepreneurs. And I just was overwhelmed and we were able to raise that money and build the school. And we had, uh, we ended up with 80 contributing authors. And so in six weeks, we wrote and (laughs) edited and published a book. We had this fundraising platform built and then we were able to raise the money. And it was this piece of this passion project, but it also brought me to this place of, this is really cool in this online space where we can be so connected and so a part of each other's journey without having this experience, which I love as well as this in person. But it really opened me up to, Mm -hmm. these are the people I want to serve. I want to work beside. I want to be a part of. That's so cool. And then you have to jump out of the plane. And then 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 you jump out of the plane. Yes. I think that's so fascinating too. And I really became present to that over COVID about how there is such a huge connection piece online. You can really still be so connected, Mm -hmm. even though someone's millions of miles away. Mm -hmm. Um, And so tell me a little bit about, because I think we all, everyone has fear blocks. And so I'm always amazed at how fast things go and how when we look back at where we were and where we are. But tell us a little bit about what you've learned about that and uh, how you maybe can move through your fear blocks. Absolutely. So it's interesting because now I've delivered well over a thousand speeches and people will say to me, you know, you must not even get nervous but I do every single time. And it's this piece of, I have learned how to use fear, right? Because it is this energy booster. It is this connecting force that allows us to be heightened. It allows us to be in this state of real presence. And so I really come to befriend fear, to see it as this motivator, as this support system. And I've learned how to deal with it through my body. So I have different practices that help hold that energy and shift the energy so that I can use it optimally. But also I have just started to say yes. So when I feel that fear, it's that piece of feel it 
and then say yes anyways. And when just like, you know, as I was falling out of that airplane, that moment of when the door is wide open and I'm looking down 10,000 feet thinking, what am I going to do here? (laughs) Can I climb back in? And that moment of trust and leaning in and just falling into that (sighs) fear. And the very next moment, you know, my arms are out. I feel like I'm flying. I have the biggest smile on my face. You know, the little bit of drool coming out of the the cheeks are going. going. (laughs) But that really was this metaphor for how Mm. I have now lived my life where, Mm. you know, I've been able to say yes to those moments of fear because I know that there's something beautiful and magical on the other side. And I also, you know, I experienced another big loss in my life with my big brother passing. And he had written a letter that we found with his will that said, if I die young, And he had written a lot of things in there. But one thing he said is that I have lived my life in a way, not by anyone else's rules, so that I know that no matter when it's my time, I have not had any regrets. And it was just that reminder. And I know we hear that a lot, but coming from someone so close to me and it was that piece of life is short and we don't have time to just mess around with this whole fear thing and thinking we're not enough and being worried about all this stuff. It's if we have that calling, we need to dive in and go for it. And who knows what it's going to be? Maybe it will fail, but we're going to learn something powerful about ourselves and about the Mm -hmm. journey. And so it's that giving ourselves permission to no matter what, what happens when we say yes to that fear, there's something magical that will unfold. I love that. Mm-hmm. And even cool. when we like, you might fail, but even in that failure, it's like, I did it. Mm-hmm. I took that jump, yes. right? Because there's also lessons, right? So yeah. I don't see it as failures, mm-hmm. just taking steps in a direction that didn't work out, but I learned. So now I'm going to take, yeah. yeah, as long as you don't stop. Go moving forward. Yeah, I feel totally. like. Yeah. Like One of yeah, my mentors I, always says, it's not failure, it's feedback. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, I saw a speaker in November who was saying, uh, she was a psychologist, but she was talking a lot about how her daughter was so worried about failing. And she's like, the second that you stop failing, then you're settling. Like you got to keep doing it. You got to keep trying. You want to fail. I love that. And I was like, oh, so good. But even when you're looking at very successful people, their stories are not, oh, here, I I started here Mm -hmm. and now I'm at this success. If you actually listen to their stories, it's been failure or lesson after lesson after lesson after lesson, you know? So yeah, it's awesome. That is cool. Yeah. And that's why I love stories. Yeah. (laughs) I heard you speak. We went to an event and you you did a beautiful job of storytelling. Um, You just whipped somebody out of the audience. Well, no, we all betted. Like we put the bids on <laughs> yeah. for charity, right? And we're like, we're going to get it. And we yeah, didn't get we it. Didn't. <laughs> but just how you created this amazing story. It was mm-hmm. beautiful. And how we sometimes see ourselves in this negative light. But then you hear somebody like yourself tell it in such a beautiful, even if it's a tough story, and such a beautiful, beautiful, I can't speak today. It's your it's, it's my teeth. I'm telling you, my de- I'm going to have to take out my teeth because, <laughs> and no, I don't have dentures. I have Invisalign. So <laughs> it's been 20 days and I'm having a hard time speaking. <laughs> so yeah, so what was I saying? About was weaving the story together. Yes, weaving yeah. the story together and how we don't tend to like, talk about ourselves that way or see ourselves that mm-hmm. way. So maybe we can do like a little storytelling mm-hmm. about oh. our story. Ooh. I love that. Ooh, yeah. Okay. I'm just going to take my teeth out. Yeah, so okay. continue. <laughs> <laughs> so, 
that's a piece I feel like each of us has a journey and I truly believe that stories have the power to unite humanity. It's a, mm-hmm. is this piece of when we truly understand who we are and when we see all the threads of the moments in time that have led us to where we are, we can really honor the journey and we can see that, yes, those moments are actually the gold. I talk about the untold stories, the moments that we maybe hold a little bit of shame or judgment Mm. around. And yet in those, if we really dug in, there's this deeper why of why we have that story, why we have that message, why we're doing this work. And there's such a powerful lesson and truth that's embedded in that moment or it wouldn't happen. I truly believe that. Mm -hmm. I think there is so much power in stories and it's how we all relate. And it's such a long, long standing tradition of Mm -hmm. being the storyteller and relaying our history and where we've come from and where where we are Mm -hmm. and sometimes where we're going, right? Absolutely. I was just in Egypt and it was like seeing the stories written on the walls, mm-hmm. you know, from hundreds and hundreds of years and and how important that tradition is. And I think it is this piece of, we truly come into this place where through our stories, that is how we experience our, our life, our wisdom, our truth, and how we support each other. Because I always say we tell our stories not for ourselves, but we tell our stories mm. so that others can see themselves in it. Because from that place... We can give people hope. We can give them permission. We can show them what is on the other side of that that moment, that breakdown moment where they may be feeling stuck in and that you have moved through. And then that gives them that experience that they can see someone on the other side and that they aren't alone in that journey. Yeah, that's cool. I love that. I think that's what, um, and like it'd be so interesting to know, yeah, how you weave that together. If you have like a formula or what is it is you do. Because I remember once, writing this, like I was supposed to write a chapter. So I wrote this thing, I sped it all out. And the lady was helping me. She was a storyteller too. And she said, great, Alex, these facts are awesome, but nobody wants to hear you tell them. They want to live the story with you. So you got to like take three people through the journey. And is that what you kind of do when you tell the... Absolutely. And I think it's really important. So there's, I always say to really focus deep on, you know, one to three big moments in your life, you can give a little bit of backstory, but we don't want to do a timeline of events, right? So it's not getting stuck into, I was born here, I grew up here, I did the, you know, and it's like that, that's the telling part of it. But when we can really say there was this moment in time where, you know, I was sitting at the back of the chapel grieving the loss of my dear friend in that moment when her young boy was standing at the pulpit And he said these words that forever have changed my life. He said, you know, I was with my mom up until her final breath and she was fighting up until her final breath because she wasn't done living. Mm -hmm. And it's this piece where that was that moment where I sat there and it was like a gut punch and I got the wind knocked out of me. And in that moment, I realized that I was alive and breathing, but I wasn't truly living. And I dug into that moment and that's where I found out or really discovered that piece of me that was living by fear. And so it's this piece of, you know, and then we can dive into that part where it's that little itty bitty plane that's climbing up to 10,000 feet in that moment where we do look down and we feel that fear and yet we lean in anyways. And so Mm -hmm. when we can really paint the picture of 
these moments in time where people are as if they're sitting right next to us, where we can talk about the drool coming out of the mouth <laughs> as we're falling 45 uh, or four, in 45 seconds. I fell 5,000 5, 5, feet in 45 seconds. And so it's this piece of, right? So we're, we're describing it. We're feeling it, the tears, we can feel it. And we're taking people on this emotional journey. Mm. And I always say, if we can feel it, then they're going to feel it. So really allowing yourself to tap into the emotion, to tap into those feelings, to be able to express them. And yes, you know, there's an element of healing that needs to happen sometimes Mm. to be able to fully share one part of our story. But when we get to a place, we still allow ourselves to feel it and not be disconnected from it. Mm. And then I think it's just about really truly coming into this place of what is the why? What are the lessons? What are the truths? And just sprinkling them in. So it's not this piece of here's the checklist of what I learned. Again, it's this moment of, I realized that with my fear list that I needed to make my why bigger than my fear or else Mm. I wasn't going to jump out of that. So then that's one core message is making your why bigger than your fear. Saying yes to fear could be another one. And so we just sprinkle it into the the story. So people are right there with you and they're just listening and they're in, in that moment with you, but they're also getting those those divine nuggets that you're going to speak on later or teach on more in depth in your programs or your offers or your speech. And so that's really important as well. And allowing yourself to really believe that you have a story to tell. Because I think a lot of us think maybe it's not a big enough story or mm-hmm. we don't know how, uh, you know, we haven't had this near-death experience or we haven't cl- climbed Mount Everest or whatever it might be. But think about how many other people are feeling the same way. And so in each story, there is this, this ability to relate and this importance of it truly does matter. Because mm-hmm. if I think back to that boy standing in that chapel, mm-hmm. that courage that it took for him to share his stories of his mother and her passing, that was a moment in time for me, a catalyst moment where his story changed the trajectory of my life. Yeah. And so the courage that it takes to share your story, but also knowing that even if there's just one person, I used to say that all the time, before I would speak is if there's even just one person yeah. listening that can be positively impacted by what I share today, then it is all worth it. Mm. Yeah, I like that. Mm-hmm. I feel like I can really, um, you know, I really feel that with the, you not like thinking you didn't have enough of a why. Mm. I struggled with that for a long time because I thought I led a pretty charmed life. Like what would I, what like, you know, it kind of seemed like everybody had something that broke them or, you know, but then I looked back and realized I'm actually just really strong. And so there was things that probably would have broken me, but I'm just actually really strong. But um, I think it's true. There's all different, you know, your struggles are struggles and they all come in different shapes and sizes. And um, yeah, there really is. I love that. If you can even just talk to one person. And I think that's even a piece, you know, coming back to that too, is this this strength, but where did that come from? Yeah. Right. So what was underneath this feeling of I need to be strong? Yeah. And so I feel like we could dive in there a little bit more. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you just open yourself. No, I think it's just uh, I know for me personally, Mm -hmm. I just was always kind of like, okay, I had to steal myself. You know, same idea. Like as, you know, tough things in school, Mm -hmm. went through, you know, girl bullying, all those things, right? And had to just get through it. Mm -hmm. There's no one there to help you. So you just push through it. 
But then when I look back at it, I think we tend to numb things and we tend to downplay them a bit, right? And then, you know, relationships, I mean, geez, if you've been in a relationship, you have had a struggle. <laughs> 100%. Yeah. Whether it's starting at nine, your first kiss is starts the struggle. Right? Yeah, 100%. <laughs> when in kindergarten, you see him kissing your best friend, that yeah. starts the struggle. <laughs> Yeah. I think it's just, yeah, but I know for me, it was always just downplaying, like just mm. hey, keep going, keep going, keep going, be busy, be busy. And then I know I remember Simon Sinek. Yes. It was the first time I heard that book, Know Your Why. And I thought, okay, what's my why? Like, I don't know. I know for me, I just love meeting people and loving mm-hmm. to hear in their stories. And so that was always like, I just want to meet everybody in the whole world. <laughs> can I, can I try? Yeah, you can try. Sure, let's do it. So, so we're just going to do an impromptu okay. story session. Now, normally okay. I do take more time. I have my notes, all that piece, but we're just going to wing it here and it. see what comes out. Okay. okay. So as a girl growing up, I know that I'm not alone in those moments where we felt alone, where we so desperately wanted to belong, where we so desperately wanted to know that we were enough, that we were worthy of love, of friendship, where we were looking to those circles of the cool girls thinking, do I fit in there? How do I need to shape, shift, or mold myself to be one of them? And yet what I see is that in these moments where I experienced bullying for maybe the way that I looked, the way that I carried myself, and these moments brought me to this place of perhaps judging my beauty, my worth, who I really was. And I see now that when women come to me and they sit in my chair, it's about, yes, helping them to feel beautiful as they look back at the reflection of who they are in the mirror, but it's so much deeper. It's about holding space. It's about being that friend that we all long to have. It's a safe space where we all hear that our hairdressers know all the secrets of us. But when I look back at that little little me, what I truly wanted was a friend to hear my stories, to tell me that I'm beautiful, that I'm worthy, that I'm loved. And for me, that's my why now is helping people to feel that when they sit in my chair. Oh my God, that's so good. I'm like, yeah. oh, I never thought of myself that way. <laughs> that was so good. Yeah. Add that to my bio. I think that's so beautiful is you just, you know, it's so beautiful to have someone else to witness mm-hmm. you and, mm-hmm. and point out the things that you don't see about yourself. Mm-hmm. I never thought about myself that way, Chantel. And that's the beauty of it. And it's this piece of like, I can feel your heart. Yes. And yes, you are this like vibrant, you know, you bring such energy in life. But there's like, there's that real depth of, of just holding that beautiful space. And if we can connect the dots to those moments where you so longed, but you had to be strong because you didn't have that person in your corner, like you are for these people, you really are that gift. And so, yes, they come because you're incredibly talented and all the pieces and they feel beautiful leaving your room, but it's much deeper than that because there's a bond, there's, there's a connection, there's a feeling of, I belong here. Yeah. So if you can tap into that energy, right? Yeah. Even just when you're serving and when you're sharing yeah. and when you're branding, then there's a deeper emotional connection to why you do what you do. 
I will say my passion these days is helping women like find their power. I get Mm -hmm. so like listening to a lot of stories. Again, I could be a therapist after all my years (laughs) of doing hair, but feelings. And that was definitely where as a growing up, I felt very disempowered. Mm -hmm. And so where I am now, you know, I always have this fantasy. I'm sure everybody does where you wake up in high school with the knowledge you have now. (laughs) And it's like, you could take those girls that were mean and just say like, I know you're hurting and you don't like yourself either. And can't we just all be friends, you know? Absolutely. And uh, so I do definitely feel that. And I'm the first one to always, I'm always coaching people in my chair about, you do not need to leave your power on the table. (laughs) And this is the piece of, look at what you guys are creating here, right? You're having these real conversations and you're giving people a platform and you're helping to bring people together and to feel that sense of belonging and not feeling like we have to be perfect Mm-hmm. And having this facade. And so that realness is a part of your brand, both for the podcast and for you individually. So mm-hmm. bringing that out even more into the forefront is going to be powerful. Yeah. yeah. And I think something you said that is important to note is that you were like, I'm sure everybody has um, this feeling, but I I have never had that dream of needing to go back to high school. So that is something that people oh. probably can connect with you on. I feel so right? strongly. Like, I want to go my stand story. in the high school hallways and just tell these girls because even watching my girls grow up, it's like, if we had only known, you know, when I always joke around, I tell my girls, I go, okay, that kid, that guy that's kind of quiet and seems like, and he's studying all the time. Pay attention to that one. Yeah. He's gonna get, <laughs> <laughs> you always an engineer. see them later and you're like, Huh. So that's, if I didn't know when you were going to turn out like this, I would have paid more attention. You know what I mean? Like it's the kids that, and we overlook, you know, I mean, high school is a whole culture and whatnot, but just even the things that I wish I had known then, you Mm -hmm. know, and, um, that's a, you need to write that. Yeah. There's a lot there. You need to write Mm -hmm. that. The things I wish I had known. Yeah. I wish I knew then. I do. I feel very, uh, yeah. I mean, geez. And I often, I always watch people's relationships. Like I watch women and men and I always see, it drives me nuts when I see the husband walking four, 40 meters ahead and the wife in tow with the kids. I want to just grab that guy by the ears. <laughs> I'll be like, hey, your yeah. wife is doing everything over there. Yeah. Get your ass back there and help her with those kids. <laughs> <laughs> one day I will oh, have a yeah, one day I'll be like, yeah. hey, loser, where's your wife? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Real, where it's like mom getting ready for vacation or dad getting ready. He walks out with his golf clubs and then it's like, mom, there's like five kids clinging to her. So oh, and then there's God. one that I saw that was really awesome. Um, it wasn't a real, it was a, like on YouTube somewhere. There was a, they were at like SeaWorld or something. And there was like a mime, you know, entertaining the people. And then, so the father is walking in front and the mom has the baby, the diaper bag and whatever else. In to, and, he's, and so the mom's like, you stop, you know? And then he points at them and people are like, oh, yeah. So then he takes the diaper bag and puts it on the guy's shoulder. Because right? <laughs> she has the baby. So at yeah. least carry. And then everybody started cheering. I'm like, yeah, you go there, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> you go, know? mom. That's awesome. As someone who really studies people, and this is the thing, I am so, you guys know how curious I am. I'm really curious curious about people. And I love stories because I think I'm trying to find a similarity in them. I'm trying to, and be inspired and what can I learn? And, but I study people all the time and I see it way too many times with men that do this and don't open doors. I feel doors like you need and, to write, you have to find your own story and write about it. 
Well, you I've got a few books yeah. in the go. I just yeah. have to get my <laughs> my attention on, on, par. on par. I've got about 42 different projects on the go. All started. Yeah, all started. <laughs> that's a great place to be. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Need so, to follow through. Uh, yeah. Um, no, that's awesome. I was uh, wondering, okay, with all that you're doing, because you're like traveling the world, you have these older kids now. Yes. Did it kind of evolve over time? Yes. Yeah. So I actually had, when I was doing my speaking, so I would, I had them all in the Okanagan Valley. So I had 20 different schools. I would go back to them six times in the year. So, and I would do them all in one week. So it was this piece of like one week a month, my mom would come from Kamloops and she would take care of the things because Mm -hmm. as we were just talking about, (laughs) couldn't just leave it in my ex's hands, but that's okay. That's another story. Um, (laughs) But it was this piece. So she would come, she would get the kids off to school. She'd do the homework. She'd be with them. And I would go and stay at my in-laws house and I would do this whole speaking kind of tour piece in that one week. And, Mm -hmm. and that was, you know, it was an interesting piece, but then for the rest of the time I was home with the kids a hundred percent. So it was a really, you know, it was kind of this give and take piece. And then it evolved into as they got older, then I started to travel here and there, but I also would bring them with me. So I remember getting a speaking gig in Paris. And so I had all my travel was paid for, plus it was a paid speaking gig and it was just an hour keynote. So I was traveling to Paris to do an Mm -hmm. hour speaking gig and I could pay for pretty much all of the kids flights with what I was getting paid for. Mm -hmm. So then we ended up turning that into a three-week European vacation. Mm -hmm. I got to speak at a retreat that was hosted on a cruise ship. And so then I brought the boys with me Mm -hmm. and we had the most incredible experience. And again, every time that I go, usually it is this like beautiful experience and I'm just speaking for a short amount of time so they can sleep in while I'm speaking or, Mm -hmm. right? And so it was um, meshing together of this desire to travel with my boys and to create these experiences while also doing my work. So that was really beautiful. And then there were definitely times where I just went and there was that mom guilt Mm -hmm. and some of those pieces. But as I look back, I realized that I really have given my boys permission to chase their dreams and to do what is best for them. And they are all big dreamers. They all have that entrepreneurial spirit. And, you know, my oldest, he was a two-time TED Talk, you know, TED Talk um, on the stage. And he also ran his own podcast at... 16, he was on Dragon's Den at at 10. He was, you know, he's done these things because it's like, yes, go do it be in that space. And then me and him would travel quite often. He would have speaking gigs in say San Diego or other places and I would go with him. And so that was also really cool to have that one-on-one time with him as well. And then the others as well, they just have this drive and this excitement for what they can create and what is possible and how they can use their gifts, which again, we have to come back to that place of being able to choose ourselves because it is teaching our kids. Mm. And so if I had said travel is this beautiful experience that is for me. And I had put that on the shelf until they were grown or not followed that. Then there's an energy there of what I desire, what what my hopes and dreams are, are not as important as everyone else's. But in doing that, I've shown them that they can choose themselves, that they can follow their dreams, that they can create their reality. Mm-hmm. So I think it's so important. I love yeah. that. I love so that. your kids, uh, your boys are, you have three, right? Yes. So how old are they? They're now 21, 19 and 16. Okay. Wow. So they're in that like, okay, so we, you have an adult 
Yes. <laughs> and then you have teenagers. Yes. You know, I know we all talk about, oh, yes, you know, all this stuff. But they, because, you know, your success, your uh, speaking eloquently and, and, and whatnot, but they're still teenagers. <laughs> Right. Yes. Do, do you have like, how do you handle those moments where, because I know it's not all rosy and peaches, like we always say, you know, because yeah. we're, but like, we're real how, and filtered. Yeah. <laughs> how do you handle those moments, you know, where you're just like, oh man, like, because you have that ability to speak eloquently, you know, and, and do, but <laughs> I love this. I love this. Tell me the so, truth. Yeah. <laughs> and you know what? You're not going to really love my answer because I actually feel, you know, what's interesting is that, so my oldest, he came to me to homeschool when he was about 15 mm -hmm. and he had this whole plan. So he's the typical oldest child. So he was very organized. He researched these homeschool options. He was like, mom, you don't even have to help me. You know, because yeah. that was always my thing. I'm like, I can't homeschool and yeah. run a business and run the household yeah. and do all the things that we do as moms. And so, and I remember him texting me at one point and he said, mom, you know, I'm sitting here in class. I have completed all my homework. It's a three hour block. Everyone's just messing around. I'm wasting my time. Mm. I could be writing a book, which he did do. <laughs> I could be starting my podcast, which he did do. I could be. And so I do feel a little bit like I have these kids that are uh, somewhat abnormal because <laughs> I, I, I'm like, I'm a little adult. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. And I think, but I think there's this piece of, I truly came from this place of we will always be honest with each other. Mm -hmm. And in kind of the, the divorce phase, that was, you know, a struggle for me. I do feel like they rose to the occasion mm -hmm. though. Now looking back, I feel like they took on more than they needed to take on. Mm -hmm. And I think that that was right in their teen years that that all was happening. And so I feel you know, is there a part of them that maybe would have acted out more or gone down different paths, but they just were really there for me, I feel mm -hmm. in those places of, and we built such a strong relationship because I said, I will never lie to you. I will always tell you the truth. We need to have these real conversations. I also um, grew up in the Mormon faith and left the church at the same time as the divorce happened and gave them the option to stay or to go. But even in that space, I feel there was a lot of fear and judgment mm -hmm. that then in moving away from that and just saying, whatever you do, I love you. And I'm grateful for the church. I'm not here to bash it. I'm grateful for the values and all of those pieces. But there was this element of in those teen years, I think if I had stayed in that space, I might've mm -hmm. been more judgmental, more... Um, trying to control them more rule focused. And mm. I think that there was more of this trust, honesty and come to me, you know, mm -hmm. with these things, even if you feel like I'm going to get upset or you're afraid of what I'm going to say, and then we can talk about it. And so there's been this deep honesty and communication. So mm. I feel like they have been incredible humans yeah. and, um, of course we have our moments and they go through, you know, they've had a couple breakups and then I'm there for them. And I was hosting, I remember I was hosting a retreat and I got the text that my, um, one of my sons had gone through a breakup and I was on the, I was like, we need a break for a moment. So I went and texted him. And then the whole, as soon as the retreat was complete, he came and we spent, 
you know, 10 hours just talking and, mm. and navigating his feelings and what was coming up for him. And so I think it's this balance too of, mm-hmm. you know, when they need you, when you're in work mode, there's these, these balanced moments, but they know that I'm there for them no matter what. Mm. Wow. Yeah. Well, I have nothing to say. (laughs) I feel like I remember, I said this before, but I remember, I can't remember who it was, but it was a famous anchor woman. And she said something that always stuck with me. And she said, we can have it all. We Mm. just can't have it all at the same time. Mm. And I thought, oh, that's so true. You know, and she was talking about balancing motherhood with career and, you know, especially in those careers where, you know, it's very male dominated and they had to, you know, if you take maternity leave, it's like now you're back at the bottom kind of thing, right? So she was talking about navigating that. And I thought that kind of always rang true for me, but I love what you're saying about the balance because it kind Mm. of sounds like you sort of managed to navigate all the ages, probably some more, um, you know, eloquently than other times. Totally, (laughs) yes. It is a balance. And I think now I love that you, I love that you traveled with your kids. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, It's amazing. Yeah, for sure. And I think it's just this piece, I think that's so important of, you're right. There was definitely like the fighting and the screaming and the things that I actually kind of forget, Mm. Um, you know, because it was so long ago with the three boys when they were younger. So there was different stages, of course. And I think that they're just like you're saying, you can have it all, but not all at once. And I think, again, it was almost like the universe knew that navigating what I was navigating through the divorce that was really challenging and really hard for a lot of reasons that having these boys be on a really beautiful path and not be in this place where I had to struggle with them was this beautiful Mm. blessing, Mm. right? Yeah, I find that when I'm struggling with something, that's when my kids like come together yeah, they rally. and they rally mm-hmm. around and are like, are you okay? Absolutely. Why are you crying? Why are you like, you know, and they try to make it, but are, that's why I try to like not do stuff like that because I don't want to put that pressure on them. Yes. But I feel like maybe if I do show a little bit more vulnerability, mm-hmm. they'll, you know, kind develop that side too. Cause I don't want them to hide it. I want them to be right. vulnerable with me. But then I'm hiding when I'm vulnerable because I don't want to upset them or, you know, I don't want to talk about it, but then I want them to talk to me about it, right? So this is actually huge because there was, again, there's a part of me that, and I've talked to my oldest because I remember my dad saying to him, which, you know, I felt like that's too much pressure. He was like, you're now the man of the house. And I was like, no, he's not. But there is this piece of, you're right. There's moments where, again, everybody learns their journey as how they're going to learn it. So we can't beat ourselves up for how we parent or what we do. Mm. I really believe that the way that it happens is exactly what they're going to need to learn their lessons in life and and grow as a human as well. But there is this, what you're saying is so important. And I think that that's a huge part of it is that, you know, I wouldn't share all the details and all the things, but they would hear when I had, I have it called, are we allowed to swear on here? Yes. Yeah, oh, okay. sure. <laughs> we encourage it. <laughs> We had a um, a diet, well, she was into um, nutrition. Nutrition, Nutrition. thank you. That word escaped me. I was like, naturopath, nutrition. She said, it's good for us to swear. So perfect. Okay, so it was was named my fuck it playlist. And so they knew when I was in my room with my fuck it playlist on and I would talk to them about it. I was like, you know what? I'm feeling... I'm feeling a lot of feelings and a lot of emotions, but I'm going to move through them. Yeah. And this is important for us to do. And I, and I think bringing them into this journey of how I navigated the, the tears and the anger and the in healthy ways mm-hmm. yeah. and not hiding it from them or not showing them, but again, being 
aware of what is too much for them to know, but also just to have that openness of I'm a human Mm -hmm. and I'm navigating some things and it's beautiful on the other side and we can get through it. And so it's teaching them resilience. It's teaching them vulnerability. It's helping them to see that, you know, I've got emotions, you've got emotions Mm -hmm. and you're right. Then they're more likely to open up because they have felt that vulnerability from you as well. Mm. Didn't you feel, I bet you felt when you were going through your divorce, so thankful for your boys. Like I always yes. look at my girls and I think, oh, I'm so thankful for them. You know, like just this, having these two little buddies to do, and I know they're not meant to be my buddies, but you know what I mean? Like <laughs> just always like, I know at some point they're going to leave and find their own buddies. But at the same point, it's like having them there and just, you know, they're so helpful when I'm running around, they're like, okay, mom, we got it. You know, I'm just like, oh, my heart, you know, yes. it, they were probably such a, and to be able to have them travel with you and like, oh, that must have been amazing. Yes. So good. So yeah. good. And it's a big part of, you know, we get to create our reality. Yeah. So it is this piece of how can we bring in our hopes, our dreams, what we desire. And that travel is a huge part of who I am and what I love. I think that there's so much that our kids, you know, being able to take them to Nicaragua, I was hosting a retreat there and they came along as well. And being able to see them, you know, playing with the kids that are just playing with a tire on the beach and and it brought in this piece of they are the opposite of entitled. They really understand and are very grateful, very aware, um, very conscious humans. And I think that our travels did that a lot where, mm-hmm. you know, we put them in these places and spaces where we were right in the community um, so that they could interact, so that they could see, you know, they were cooking soup for this community that lived right in a garbage dump experience. Mm-hmm. And all these little kids would come with just these little cups or pails or things. And again, it's this opportunity to teach them. Mm-hmm. And I think that travel, yes, it can be fun and exciting and we have all these amazing experiences, but there's also so much to learn from other cultures. You know, I was just in Bali and then Egypt and and seeing the way that people live and the way that they engage with their family and the way that community is or not, or, you know, all of those dynamics, we can learn so much mm-hmm. and our kids can as well. Yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm totally, because my kids traveled more then most people, before they were six, we took them everywhere. People are like, oh, first, we're like, we need to get all our travel in because at two, after two, we'll have to pay for their, you know, flights. And then we took them even more. Like they loved it. They had their, you know, experiences. And we lived in Asia. We lived in Taiwan for a while. So, you know, flying to Hong Kong was like nothing because we need to have our visa stamps every three months, right? We were in Thailand just them experiencing the different cultures they started their I say their conscious living there (laughs) and their kindergarten and it was completely different too and then we moved back here I feel and then we wanted to continue traveling but then COVID happened right so now they're itching they look at the pictures they don't remember a lot because they were little but um, just who they are and how they're shaped they Mm -hmm. they have no fear Going and like knocking on people's doors. I, I should probably curb that. At some point. <laughs> I don't know. You're meeting neighbors. They know more neighbors <laughs> in our area oh. than I do. They're like, oh, you're the twins, mom. Oh, they're here all the time. They told me last time that the book that I have in my book box, box, yeah. box are not good enough, that I should step up my game. <laughs> like, I'm so sorry. But yeah, they're little entrepreneurs. They're constantly mm-hmm. wanting to start the business. Mm-hmm. They're always knocking on people's door. Like, So I do feel us traveling and moving different places has given them that confidence and not be scared of people and trying new things. Sometimes Mm -hmm. I kibosh things because I don't want to deal with it, but 
Uh, I'm trying not to. I'm like, yeah, go. You want to sell lemonade for $7? You try it. You if you do it, it <laughs> that's fine with me. Right? We're retiring if you can yeah. sell lemonade for $7. Yeah, I didn't oh. even know they had. They're like, mommy, can we go? Um, uh, we want to start a dog walking business. Can we go outside? Yeah, go. I didn't know they printed like 300 flyers okay, in color, <laughs> in color, just handwritten oh, or printed. I'm like, oh, this is so it. not professional, but they went to every, and they're like, yeah, we have nine people who have dogs around in the, our neighborhood. They said, maybe. So mommy, if they, you, if you get a phone call after 4 PM, cause that's what they said, they can start Aww. after 4 PM. And they ask for dog walking. That's for us. Okay. Aww. You take them and tell them that we can do it. Oh, that's so cute. cute. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah. you know, it was, I feel because of the travel and because you know, how we lived our life, I'm one of those people that I, what I want to do, I want to do. And I cannot not because then I feel caged mm. and then I start shutting down. Don't cage this bird. I say, yes. don't clip my wings. <laughs> so I have an awesome husband that, allows me to do that. So it's important, you know, to have found somebody who lifts me up just as much as just as much as I lift him up and support each other. Yeah. So yeah, just don't and I'm trying not to cage my children. Yeah, go. But <laughs> maybe I should check up on something. You know, where are they actually going? <laughs> I love that they thought of everything though. They you have know, thought don't of call everything. till after 4 PM. <laughs> <laughs> I would yeah. give them, that's amazing that they had it all planned out and the flyers. I would, yeah. I would argue that it's a little bit watching mom and dad in action too, because you both are very much like, we're just going to do it. Let's, let's do it and just do you know, it. The just got to do it. That's the yeah. first, the, the first step is always the hardest. Yeah. It's always the action. And then it's, it, and then just, it just happens when you yeah. will it, it will come. I'm all about attraction. So what I want, but I, you have to take the steps. Yeah. You can't just talk about it, think about it. You actually have to take that first step. You want to write that book? Start writing that chapter. Think of a title, write it down. Don't just say it out loud. Write it down and start each day little bit by little bit. Yeah. So, mm. Yeah. Yeah. I was yes. thinking about you when at the beginning, Chantal was saying this about taking steps. I was thinking, yeah, Bella's really good at that. Like, I don't think we would still be thinking about this podcast. We'd be still talking about this podcast. <laughs> we're going to like, no, we're doing it and it's launching in January. And Amy and I were like, oh, okay. <laughs> no, it was actually December and we were all gearing up for Christmas. She's like, okay, we're doing a podcast and we're going to start. Yeah, yeah. It's going to start in January. Oh, we're like, in December? Yeah, yeah, we're doing it. We're like, okay, here we go. Oh, it's it's January. January. Yeah. But she was definitely the train that. The um, initiator. Yeah. That's yeah, I'd still be in the planning stages. Yes. <laughs> for sure. <laughs> so yeah, it takes action. I like that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh, or no. just team up with someone who's action-oriented. That's right. That's, yeah. You know, just find your strengths, right? Yeah. I think that ties into that fear, though, too. Like you yeah. said, you know, there's the difference between... I always remember this quote. The difference between writers and people that talk about writing is like the writers actually write. There's people yes. that talk about writing and then mm -hmm. writers just actually write. And I initially, I recently saw Elizabeth Gilbert in person. Were you at that one? I can't remember I if I saw you. I wasn't. Okay, somewhere. I feel like I saw everybody there. But <laughs> she said something so amazing. And it was, um, done is better than good. So she talked about how we get so tripped up thinking that, you know, this one project has to be the best. And she goes, I promise you, you're going to have more projects. And that was so inspiring for me because I thought it's so true. We get so wrapped up in the details of like, okay, if this is my podcast, it's got to be perfect. But it's it just do it. Mm -hmm, Doing yeah. it is the it all unfolds and you learn as you go, right? Well, that's what and we we tried scripting a couple things and and whatnot and just yeah. it wasn't wasn't working. So we're just like now we, we do just conversations. Have to, yeah, we just have to talk. 
because yeah, that's yeah. what we that's what we do best. <laughs> yeah. It's one of our key strengths. Yeah, really. it is. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, it was it was just like the first episode was like no outtakes. We just did it. And yeah. was it the best one? I don't know. I have to re-listen to it. Uh, no, but I think we get better. I think we get better, of course, right? But yeah, it was it was just evolved, and then we started bringing on guests, and it just it just it happens naturally, organically, because you're you're doing it, so you know what works, what's not working. If if we don't try, we will never know. So try, people, try, try, try. absolutely. Yeah. So Chantel, what's on the horizon for yeah. you? What is yes. the next chapter for Chantel? Ooh, Ooh, deep. Well, yes, I'm after, curious. Uh, after it. a lot of travel, I think it was just such a beautiful. I went through a lot as I shared. And so there was a lot of healing, a lot of inner work, a lot of cocooning mm-hmm. over the last few years. And I feel like, you know, in the last four months, I've been to Puerto Rico, Miami, San Francisco, Bali, Mexico, and Egypt, Egypt yeah. and Florida. So I was in, so it's been a lot of travel, but mm-hmm. I was saying to a friend, I think it was kind of like this lawnmower that, you know, you pull it back and it's like, room, room, <laughs> where every travel experience was actually just reminding me who I am. Mm. And so it was really this piece of people that I've known for years. Again, that reflection of who I have been and who they know me to be as a leader in that industry. And then also putting myself in these places where I didn't know anyone. And that was Egypt. It just happened. It was like three three weeks before they're going, we meet and there we just hit it off. We were in this vortex of energy and she said, we need another speaker. Can you come? Yes, I can be there. And so it's this piece of saying yes. And at every single speaking opportunity, there has been incredible connections and opportunities coming. And so there's a lot of momentum happening right now. I feel like I'm coming back into my speaking and storytelling and teaching that on a a bigger level again, but bringing in the depth because I feel like I came full circle. I stepped away from it a little bit. And now I realize that, you know what, getting especially women's voices on stages and helping people to really, you know, just like that experience to see the power that you're doing in your work and that it's not just that surface level that you can dig into that. And then helping people just have their messages out in the world in such a bigger way is so fulfilling. And so coming back to that, but also from this deep healing space of hearing your story back is actually very healing. Being able to share it is very healing. And we need to go through this process of real embodiment to be able mm. to stand on a stage and own that and to be the the woman who can stand there and truly own her story is a powerful gift to the world. So that's where I'm coming back in. I love it. Yes, into that wow. again. Wow. I feel like I everyone I... I'm like, okay, well, I got to work with you. 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 I need to yeah. just kind of job to sustain my personal growth. Pick one. <laughs> I can't pick one. That's too hard for me. That's too hard for me. So tell us where we can find you, Chantel. We're going to obviously have it in your um, description as well, but tell us where we can find yeah, you. Absolutely. So ChantelAdams.com is my website. And then I love connecting with people on Instagram. So that's at Chantel Speaks is where you can find me there and send mm. me a DM and let me know that you came through these amazing women's podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> so that I know where to send the thank you for you being in my world. Oh, that's well, so sweet. Yeah, thank you. Well, thank you for no, being on. We got to do a little. Yeah. Like, first of all, oh, we yeah, just yeah, wanted to. We usually ended off with a little rapid fire, but uh, oh. so tell us when it comes to you know motherhood and parenting, what's been like one really challenging moment so far? Mm, I think 
the piece of actually deciding to leave my marriage was Mm. the first time that I actually remember choosing and making a choice completely for me. So I had really leaned into that. And that again, felt very difficult to make that decision and worrying about the kids and are they going to be okay? Is this the right decision for them? And getting caught up in that and then truly coming into this place where no, it's, it needs to come from me. And then wherever I land on my decision is going to be best for everyone, whatever that looks like. Right. Okay, cool. And then is there some lesson that you've learned, I don't know, either through one of your kids or during like a reflection on a parenting moment where you've been like, wow, I'm actually, this was a really surprising way to learn this lesson. Mm, I think that they are my greatest teachers too. And that they'll call me on my shit. (laughs) (laughs) They'll they'll be like, oh, that's, you know, you're doing this again. Or they, they're always on me for being late. Um, (laughs) I was passionately late here. (laughs) This is why we get along so well. I think it's just like my best, like my, despite my best efforts. (laughs) Yeah. But it is this piece of like, truly they have so much to teach me. And so it is, it is moments where, you know, they have, there's been times where they've pushed me when, when they're being mean to each other, there's times where I, that's the thing that I can't handle. Mm. And, and it's this piece of um, like hearing sometimes the hurtful things that they can say to each other, but then being able to really have a conversation with both parties and be able to help them to come into this conscious place of why that was not okay and how that Mm. was hurtful and why they lashed out in that way. And so I think it's this deepening of, my ability to not react in the moments, but then also to have these really beautiful, deep, conscious conversations because they are at that stage now where we can go a lot deeper and really mm-hmm. and really get into what's that about? Because it's not just about what just happened here. There's something deeper there. So I think it's that growing together and them being these beautiful teachers that invite me to deepen into my own work as well. Love it. Well, no, thank you so much so for being much here. For coming. <laughs> yeah. I feel like, yeah, we learned so many As things. As always, yeah. I'm inspired yeah. and enlightened and revved up and ready to roll. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, this has been you. so fun. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks for coming on. Yes. Love it. All right. All right. Until we meet again next time. Okay. Bye. 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 Thanks so much for listening. Now we want to hear from you. So tell us what's going on in your world. What's what's working? What's not working? How we can support you? What are some good topics? And don't forget to follow us at Let's Not Sugarcoat It Podcast on Facebook and Instagram. Until next time. Bye. Bye. See you.